is Motley Fool Answers. I'm Allison Southwick, and I'm joined today by Robert Brokamp. Sadly, no Dayana Yoakum. Oh. I know. She's off for the next few weeks with her Italian lover. <laughs> Gucci. Uh, she doesn't have an Italian lover. No. Uh, but we will be joined later by someone here who has just as good of moves on the dance floor. And that's James Early. He's an analyst here at The Motley Fool. And he's here to share the joys of investing in dividends. And we're also going to check in with the SEC to learn about the spankings they've delivered to naughty financial advisors. And we're going to discover the best day to shop at Whole Foods. All that and more on this week's episode of Motley Fool Answers. If you know anything about 30-something mothers living in Northern Virginia, it won't surprise you that I love Whole Foods. <laughs> at times it can be expensive. You know, the old saw is that Whole Foods should actually be called Whole Paycheck, which I don't actually think is that clever. But there is a Whole Foods about two blocks from the Motley Fool, so I shop there a lot. I assume you shop there a lot, too. I go there probably, if I'm going out to eat for lunch, that's the place I'm more likely to be going. Otherwise, it's just sandwiches. It's sandwiches, it's sandwiches. and whatever free fruit, fruit they're giving away here yeah. at the Motley Fool. Well, according to Business Insider, they did a little research to find out how you can save money shopping at Whole Foods. One of the more interesting things they found out is the best day to shop at Whole Foods if you want to save money, and that day is... That's a really weak drum roll. <laughs> that day is Wednesday. Dun, dun, dun. And the reason is because new sales start on Wednesday and they run until Wednesday. So on Wednesday, you get double the sales. <laughs> Does that count for me if I go there for lunch? I'm going to have to check that out. Maybe. Although they do recommend not going to the salad bar because that's very expensive and, you know, sticking to the outsides of the store. Got it. Okay. I also learned that they have an online sales flyer where you can go and print out coupons. Really? Yes. I didn't know that. It won't surprise you that quinoa and kale were two of the <laughs> items that you could get coupons for. Um, but there was other stuff on there for the less health, con- health conscious people. So. so here's the food grocery tip that I recently heard. I'm going to try it. And that is uh, one of our colleagues buys most of his food on Amazon and says that it's cheaper than if you go to Costco. So I'm going to do that cost comparison soon, and I'll get back to all of you and let you know what I learned. Cheaper than Costco. That, yeah. is, that is a brave statement. And you don't have to leave your house. It's delivered right there by a drone. Well, not yet, but I'm looking forward to those days That's when Cheerios somewhere. drop from the sky. <laughs> you do look forward to our dark overlords. So walking into work today with my husband, talk turned to investing, as it will when you both work at The Motley Fool. And he mentioned how he loves it when he reads our member Monday morning email. You know, every Monday we Mm -hmm. get an email in our box about a member and their investing story, a Motley Fool member. And he loves it when he reads a story about how a member wakes up and realizes that they are making more income off of their dividend stocks than they are at work. So they say, well, I might as well retire. (laughs) So he says he loves that, um, which leads me to believe that that's been a member morning Monday email theme more than once. Um, And so to learn more about this eighth little wonder of the world, this little miracle, the gift that keeps on giving, we're talking dividends with James Early. He's the advisor for Motley Fool Income Investor, which is our newsletter here at The Motley Fool that focuses on dividend stocks. He's also a member of the American Conifer Society, and he also owns a uh, dance exercise studio business. 
He's a man of correct. many talents. He he's, not only is a member a, of the society, he writes articles for them. He's so. a renaissance man. But today we're just going to focus on his love of investing in dividends. So thanks for joining us. Thank James. you guys very much. I feel at home already. Good. <laughs> Good. All right. So and Can I just say oh, one thing, just to allude to your earlier segment? I went through a period where I bought my food off eBay. Uh, just, just for the experience of, it. and I, I found you could get the, just these dented cereal boxes for like half price. Some guy had this like massive lot, and I saved a ton of money. I mean, I, don't, I wouldn't do it again, but <laughs> if you're really looking to get food cheaply, eBay is your best bet. <laughs> I'm going to include that in my cost comparison. All right. <laughs> Great. See, look at that. He's such a renaissance <laughs> man. He's adding value already, right? <laughs> That's awesome. So we've talked about investing before here on the show. Um, we did a whole episode on on getting started investing, and we talked about you know what is a stock. But for you, investing, what do you? How do you look at stocks? Like, what do you think of when you when you're thinking of investing? Stock is is kind of this is a very philosophical thought actually because you know, what is a stock right well it depends on who you are it's if you're a, a charting type of investor a chart is a pattern producing instrument for you if you're buying based on last year's pe a stock is the trailing trailing 12 months earnings of the company if you're a bankruptcy type investor a stock is a fire sale claim on a company's asset so in general it's some kind of a claim on the company but it all depends on uh, sort of like money right money only has value because we we all sort of collectively agree that money has a certain value a stock is is sort of similar. It's it's a little bit looser, and that's why the valuations move around so much. But obviously, to me, as a dividend investor, my personal definition ties a lot closer to the operations and the free cash flow specifically, and especially the free cash flow that gets distributed to investors. Because as one of my favorite CEOs once said, you can't restate a dividend. Once you get that cash as a shareholder, you own it. Uh, that reduces your risk in the company. And in the old days, companies were basically set up to pay dividends. And, and the amount of their cash that they've paid out in dividends has ebbed and flowed over the years with trends. But that was sort of the original purpose of a company, almost like a bond. And, and it's still arguably the purest uh, sort of the, 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 the essence of a, a real company in my book. So not all companies offer dividends. Why? Why do companies offer dividends? What is a dividend? Okay, a dividend is a type of distribution in the language of the IRS, a type of distribution that generally involves paying cash to a shareholder. Now, th for, for working purposes, we can assume a company is going to pay a dividend out of its earnings. There are also things called stock dividends, which are basically fractional shares that a company will distribute, uh, distributions, uh, returns of capital, which are technically not dividends, but, but a portion of your capital is getting returned to you. But for the most part, like 90% something of the time, uh, a dividend is just a part of the cash, the earning stream of a company that it's paying to you as an investor. So maybe a $100 stock pays let's say $3.50 per year to you, that's a 3.5% yield. Why does it? Why would a company do that, though? Why would a company give their money back to shareholders when they could invest it in the company? That's a very good question. Thank and you. Not everybody <laughs> agrees on the answer, Allison, actually. But the, the, the bottom line reason is that you own the company as a shareholder. We often forget that. We actually own the company. We're supposed to, the whole point of a company is to generate cash for us. And in fact, when we use valuation methodologies like discounted cash flow modeling to, to project the cash flows of a company value, we're projecting future <laughs> dividends. The, the real value of the company is either the actual dividend or the potential dividend, the, th the dividend that it could have paid. Now, the reason the company might not pay a dividend is, hey, they're growing so quickly, or they have such great opportunities for growth that you're actually better off letting them keep your money 
and in putting it to work. But the whole point, keep your money, is the operative phrase. It's actually your money, and, and people have kind of forgotten that over the years, but it is shareholder money. Right. So the, the biggest example of that is Berkshire Hathaway, right? So been around for decades, run by Warren Buffett, and they don't pay a dividend, even though they have something like $60 billion in cash, because he believes that he can invest that money better for, for a better return for the shareholders rather than just sending his shareholders a check. And he's one of the few. I mean, he's the greatest investor basically who's ever lived. So he he's probably the uh, one of the few people who can legitimately legitimately make that claim. Right. But studies actually show that in general, companies that pay dividends outperform non-dividend paying companies. Actually, the highest yielding companies beat lower yielding companies, which doesn't seem to make sense because you would think that lower yielding companies have all these great growth opportunities. But in real life. Companies don't have as many growth prospects as they would, as their managers would like to believe. So there's a strong tendency for managers to retain cash wrongfully. You know, they, they think they have all these great chances to grow. They really don't. They really should be paying much more of that cash, uh, just on on sort of a societal aggregate basis to to shareholders. Right. Another great benefit of that is often people will take those dividends and reinvest them, which basically means you're buying more shares of the company, which allows you to get more dividends, which allows you to buy more shares of the company. So you may start off with that. $100 in that stock and you're in that 3.5% yield but you're buying more and more shares so that you start off with, you know, 10 shares and then you end up with 20, 30, 40, 50 throughout the years and that's where you get to the point where you have these hundreds of shares paying you all these dividends and you can retire off of them. So, you've been throwing out terms like discounted cash flow and valuations and all this stuff that's a little bit more high level investing kind of topics. But do I need to understand all of that in order to invest in dividends? Like, do I need to get out my sketchpad and my calculator and and follow charts and all of that? I uh, cer- certainly not, and I'm not. I'm not saying that as as a plug for our services here. But but in general, uh, you know. Finding quality companies, especially finding quality dividend-paying companies, and just holding them for the long term has paid off very, very well. Uh, a few studies that, that, that I, I cite probably too often, but, but I'll do it anyway. Ned Davis Research found that from 1972 to 2006. 1972, by the way, is a very common starting point for studies because that's when uh, Nixon abandoned the gold standard to help pay off the debt for the Vietnam War, and, and it's sort of a beginning of our most modern sort of monetary era. Uh, Anyhow, during that period, dividend payers in the S&P 500 beat non-payers by six percentage points annually. So, in other words, if you're going to be blind throwing darts at uh, any kind of a stock chart picking stocks, you want it to be a dividend stock chart because you're statistically starting with uh, an edge off the bat. It's like counting cards, actually better than counting cards in blackjack. But they also tend to be less volatile, correct? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, obviously, d- it depends. There are very high-yielding st- dividend stocks that are pretty volatile, but in general... Sort of the, the general idea is that when companies have used up the easy growth prospects, they're they're a little bit more mature. Then they start to pay more and more and more cash. And we've seen that with companies like Apple, with Microsoft, Intel. You know, these were like the hot growth stocks of a decade ago, and now they're kind of becoming steady dividend payers. So I'm glad you started mentioning some companies because um, I was that was my next question actually. Um, what are some companies that you like in particular that are some dividends? Um, you know, okay. So, so, so right now, it depends on the time. So right now, we've had super low interest rates for a long, long time, uh, like you know, rock bottom low, and that has caused this thirst for yield, and that that has caused a lot of people to go into 
I would say the generic bread and butter blue chip dividend names like Coca-Cola, McDonald's, uh, Procter & Gamble. A lot of these stocks, I feel, are a little bit rich. And I'm, I'm bringing up my, my spreadsheet right now for some of my current, my most current names. And but rich, of course, means that the stock price is maybe is a, a little, little expensive. too high. Yeah. yeah. So when you got a lot of people in anything in investing, you got a lot of people chasing the same notion, that's going to drive prices up and it's going to bring returns down. So all these stocks were traditionally very good, and they still probably are very, very good for the long run if you're like, you know, 15, 20-year investor, right now, I think they're a little bit expensive. I've been seeing better valuations in some of the kind of the quirky, oddball, or the especially outside of the U.S., the the, the foreign dividend names. Uh, Sebespi is a Brazilian sewage company that I really like. And I was going to say, when I think James Early in investing, I think sewage. Because literally, <laughs> every time I talk to you, you have a different foreign company that deals with nobody poop. is going to stop flushing their toilet <laughs> exactly. in a recession right once you get sewage you're not going back uh, <laughs> and these guys hey it's it's a it's a it's a foreign company a lot of the emerging market stocks have been crushed lately they've had this brutal drought in Brazil the stock is really beaten down uh, SBS is the ticker there Copa Airlines CPA is a ticker this is a Panamanian airline which sounds sketchy and that's why I like it. it's actually <laughs> got uh, the highest profit margin of any airline in the world. It gets all kinds of industry awards. It's a great company. It's just doing its thing in Panama, which makes everybody kind of recoil off the bat. But you know, these guys are are, are making a, a massive profit because they don't have the crippling union costs that, that American airlines have. Um, Omnicom Group is kind of a weird one. That's a, an advertising company. Uh, they are the company that inspired the, the show Mad Men. I don't watch TV, but apparently they, they did. Uh, this is he a, watches trees instead. I watch trees. Yeah, <laughs> I sit there. It's only fun for me. Everyone, the, the tree hobby is just so weird. Like no one else around can get their arms around it. But for me, I, I like it. You know, it's a stress relief. Um, and you know, when I go hunting for trees. It's not like a, an animal thing where you got to chase the animal. Like the tree doesn't go anywhere. So it's a lot easier to find like these oddball <laughs> trees. And I so always is it like bird watching. You go out you into go, the you forest see, and you yeah, try yeah. to find so a like, new tree. So like you know, when I go traveling, like especially overseas, like I'm I'm gonna go to try to find the odd conifers. And you know, if You're it's a healthy conifer, population, if it's a health, healthy population, I'm gonna try to bring back a few seeds in my pocket uh, and and try to you know grow it grow it here. Uh, so I've never been caught so far. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say, is that legal? I'm not sure that's legal. I'm not hurting anything. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, Until the conifer zombies take over. <laughs> yeah. uh, so so Sorry, little Verizon, there. Verizon is, uh, you know, we, we, the joke too is, you know, Pinus is the, the genus of, of like many of the conifers. And if you've got like a cool Pinus uh, that someone else likes, it's called Pinus Envy. Uh, Verizon. <laughs> Robert's going to explode. Yeah. I'm not going to say Breathe, Robert, anything. breathe. I'm not saying anything. You can come see mine. Uh, Verizon <laughs> Communications is a buy-first <laughs> stock in Income Investor. This has a, a nice yield, 4.6%, which is pretty hard to get these days from a safe. I'm buying him some time. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> safe, a safe uh, company. So that's one I really like, too. Right, and you probably hate Verizon if you have them as your cable provider. So here's a way to make some money off I of them. I completely hate them, and that's why but you can't <laughs> escape them, right? So if you want real cell phone signals, so uh, you know that's why I like it. <laughs> you, you, you talked about... Uh, looking for companies a lot of people are not familiar with, and it's sort of an overall investing principle, right? If you go somewhere where everyone wants to be in the investing universe, something that's very popular, the price has already gone up, which means future returns are going to be muted. You're, going to, you're probably going to be better off looking for a place that no one wants to invest, because all the sellers are already gone. You get in, and then they're just hopefully things will turn around for the company. 
Yeah, it's the generic be fearful when others are greedy, greedy when others are fearful. Uh, it's a lot harder to do in real life than it is to, 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 to think about. But, but yeah, you know, it's, it's exactly what we try to do. Got it. All right, well, I think that's enough that we have unleashed on our listeners for today. <laughs> Don't you agree? As always, people on the show may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. Do your research, kids. So those stocks, again, that James Early recommends you take a look at are Sebespi, Omnicom, Copa Airlines, and Verizon. So if you're looking to learn more about dividend investing, you can get a lot more of James Early and a lot more Pinus Envy. By subscribing to his newsletter. It's called Income Investor. And if you want to learn more, you can go to income.fool.com to learn about signing up. There is a 30 day money back guarantee. So if you end up not liking it, you can get out of it and get your money back. But I tell you, it will hurt Hopefully James's like feelings. It. Hopefully they'll <laughs> like it. I'll stop hating you next week. Yeah. yeah. So, all right, James, well, thanks for, thanks for joining it us. It is today. my pleasure, Allison, anytime. Well, good, because we're going to have you back on next week, too. Thank you. I'm ready. Okay. So sometimes when Robert Brokamp is looking to have a little fun, he'll head on over to the SEC website just to peruse and find out what financial advisors around the country have been getting into trouble over. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's something it's something everyone knows, right? Deep down they're kinda like, Yeah, I don't know if I can always trust Wall Street and all the its tentacles that extend throughout the country. And fortunately, there is the SEC. They keep an eye on things. And then they post on their website anytime they take an action against anybody. And sometimes these are, uh, you know, people have been indicted or they've been told to cease and desist. They may not be guilty quite yet, but it still gives you a flavor of what's going on out there. And we have three instances today of three things that you should be doing to prevent yourself from falling victim to some of these folks. So the first one is... Uh, a complaint filed against William D. Allen and Susan C. Dobb. Now, William Allen used to be an NFL football player. Oh. So these two folks decided what they're going to do is they're going to have this business where um, we're going to lend money to football players. We're going to lend your money to football players. So you give us your money, we're going to loan it to the football players, and then we're going to pay you 18%. Why am I loaning money to football players? Well, because, you know, they have their needs. It might be the off-season, something like that. Whatever They the, make bajillions of dollars. Whatever the excuse was, okay. people fell for it. Okay. So people would give them their money, except they weren't actually making all these loans. In fact, in one instance, they were accused of saying, um, we're just going to make this $500,000 loan, but they had collected $2.5 million from different investors to make this loan. So they have gotten caught. The lesson here, of course, is um, when you hear this type of thing, you have to do a lot of homework. If, if a stockbroker says he's going to put you in Coke stock, that's pretty trustworthy. If they say that they have this business giving loans to athletes, it's a little more suspect and you really have to go into that, especially if they're going to an 18% return. That's crazy. Um, so go in with your eyes very wide open in these types of situations. And as we've talked about before, sports figures are notoriously bad right. with I money, would, so they're probably not going to pay back their loan. <laughs> so I don't know why I'm surprised that this is actually happening. Exactly. Okay, so another one is, um, and this is where the, the SEC's bread and butter when it comes to um, monitoring things, and that is what financial advisors are doing with regular client money, and you give them the money. 
sometimes they don't do what they say they're going to do with it. So one judgment is against a guy named um, the Spangler Group from, I believe his name was Mark Spangler. Um, people were giving him money to invest, but it turns out instead he was investing it in risky startups that he was, he was starting up. And the, the unfortunate thing about this story in particular that is he was an advisor with NAPFA, the National Association of Personal Financial Advisors, who lots of people, myself included, recommend as an association of the good guys. These are the fee-only financial advisors that are supposed to be treating you well. They have a fiduciary standard, uh, legal responsibility to put your interests first. Not just me, Ron Lieber of the New York Times, a previous guest, often recommends them and has his own story of going with a NAPFA advisor and then eventually there is fraud. Mm. So the lesson here is, regardless of what um, someone's reputation, I think Bernie Madoff, I'm like, you couldn't have had someone who had a better reputation. You still have to keep tabs on things and what they're doing with your money. Uh, and the third lesson is something that we often say here at The Motley Fool, and that is don't invest in penny stocks. What's a penny stock? It's a stock, used to be a stock that traded for like three cents, five cents, 10 cents. It's really not the price of the stock as much as the size of the company. We're talking about companies that are like $100 million worth, maybe worth $200 million compared to, you know, like Apple, which is hundreds of billions. I mean, these are really small companies. What's the problem here? It's too easy to manipulate their stock price. So the SEC came out against this group actually called Green Planet Group, which you would think, wow, oh, they must be nice. environmentalists. They're tree huggers like right. James Early. Like James Early. So they must be good people. But no, actually what they had done is they, quote, made an inducement payment to a stock promoter who had purchased shares of Green Planet Group in the open market ahead of a planned press release. So it would create this impression that, wow, there's good things going on with this company. The stock price is going out. People would say, okay, I got to get in. They'd buy shares. The price would go up further. And then these folks would sell it. It's, uh, it's called the old pump and dump. Um, so stay away from these small companies. Stick with established companies on established exchanges. Generally speaking, I think people should stick with companies that are at least worth $500 million. And if you're not an experienced investor, stick with something $2 billion or higher. So these are supposed to be people who you can trust, especially the NAPFA guy. So how do you find someone you can trust? What's your best advice? I still believe in NAPFA. Uh, and a similar group is the Garrett Planning Group uh, of fee-only advisors. And there's a lot of crossover there between NAPFA and Garrett. Um, you, the, really, the lesson here is you can be smart and you can do all your homework and still end up with someone who ends up not being um, worth your business. The lesson really is to just keep tabs on them you have to check your statements. Um, even if your statement says you have a certain amount of money, um, it, you should call what's known as the custodian. So let's say you, ha you are at this guy's financial services firm. It should be held actually with like Charles Schwab or Scott Trade or Meritrade. It shouldn't be in anything that resembles his account, his company. There should be that separation so you can call Schwab or Meritrade directly and say, is my money actually there? If you're with a financial advisor and the money is not custodied with a big firm like that, I think that's, a, that's a, at least a yellow flag. That's kind of scary. It is kind of scary. <laughs> well, because if it's your own brokerage, you can make up the statements. That's what Bernie Madoff did, right? right. But you're not going to get Schwab or Vanguard or any of those folks to make up false numbers. Right. They're only going to put what's actually in your account. And and even if your investments are doing well, 
doesn't mean it's still on the up and up. Exactly. That's, I mean, that's how they keep it. That's how, yeah. that's the whole, that's how a Ponzi scheme operates. Why people are like, oh my gosh, this is going really well. I got to give you more money and I got to tell my friends so that they do it too. I don't know how to end on a high note. This is really <laughs> kind of sad. I always bring the bad news. Oh, but you bring the good advice too. Thanks. And we appreciate that. Thanks, that's why yeah. we keep you around. <laughs> that's going to do it for this week's show. Thanks for listening. If you want to learn more about how you can subscribe to James Early's newsletter and become an expert in dividends, you can go to income.fool.com. The show is precisely edited and taped by Rick Engdahl. Mercifully. Mercifully edited and taped by Rick Engdahl with theme music composed and performed by the absent Dayana Yoakum. So if you want to reach us, our email is answers at fool.com. For Robert Brokamp, I'm Allison Southwick. Cool on. Cool on.